Hey there, welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of The Paula and Joe Show. Here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. It's 24 minutes of raw business analysis and change talk. Time-boxed, unedited riffing. And when the countdown timer buzzes, we're done. I'm Joe Newbert, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Paula Bell. How's it, Paula? Please tell us what's up hey. in this episode. Hey, Joe. It's going well. How are you across the pond? It's going good, thank you. <laughs> awesome to hear. Well, I'm doing great. And once again, we have a great episode. And the episode today is all about the importance of health and wellness. So many of us neglect our health and wellness. We put other things above it. And as you know, if you're not well, if you're not physically well, emotionally, mentally well, you are not at your optimal self. And this is what it's about, right? That's what the season's about. It's about being at your optimal self. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to focus on health and wellness to help us be our optimal self. Health and wellness. I mean, it's foundational, yes. isn't it? And I like what you said there. Like, if we aren't healthy, then our performance isn't healthy. So it's this mind, exactly. body, and soul that you've been uh, talking about. So who's joining us today, Paula, to kick us into optimal shape? Yes, well, great friend of mine, Ariel Baker, known as Ari, or Ariel Baker, known as Ari, who is the CEO of Train Ari Strong. She has a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and studied nurse education at Chamberlain University. She has a passion to train individuals, but she has a very specific passion for the Black African-American community as well and making sure that we are doing everything within that community to be our optimal self and performing at our optimal self. Now, a little bit about Ari. I know Ari personally. We both teach extreme hip hop step. So that's what we had talked about in the first episode, Joe, a little bit was the extreme hip hop step. We both teach that. But Ari also is a, is a physical trainer. She does other sort of programs like Tabata. She's done part of, um, she does circuit stuff. She's done CrossFit. Her energy is amazing. If you have any health questions, she's the person to go to. But I'm also honored and humbled to be Ari's manager. So I manage this phenomenal queen of excellence as well. So I have a little bit of a bias towards Ari and just felt she would be the perfect person to have a conversation about health and wellness as she's helped me on my journey. Okay. Thanks. For Hello. So what do you think, Joe? What, what do you think? What do you think about Ari? I think that I'm excited. Yes, I mean, yes. Like Welcome, we Ari. Anything you'd like to say? Hi, how are you? Hi, Joe. Hi, Paula. It's going to be Hi great. There. Yeah, no. Hello, hello. On the pod. Um, and Tabata, I mean, this pod is a bit like high intensity interval training, right? We got 24 minutes, we got five rounds of questions, three to four minutes each. So, right, go, Paula. I mean, I've already started the clock. Round one, H I I T, hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Ari, first question for you. When we talk about health and wellness, what does that mean to you? And why are you so passionate about it? 
So health and wellness for me is achieving the most optimal form for who you are. Health and wellness is going to be contingent and different for each and every person. A specific goal I might have for myself might not be the same goal for you. But at the end of the day, you want to feel like you're functioning as your best self, your best self. So for me, a goal for me may be to maintenance my weight, maybe to kick it up a notch and obtain a new level of fitness. Your uh, version of health and wellness may be to eat better, to practice better nutritional standards. Um, it may be to lose weight. It may be to meditate 15 minutes before you start your work day. Health and wellness is going to be the thing, the catalyst that enables you to function at your best self. I'm so passionate about it because health and wellness has changed my life. Uh, when I became focused on not just the physical parts of me, such as, you know, my mental health, my financial health, my sexual health, my spiritual health, everything in my life started to align. So I want to be able to project that same happiness and joy for everybody else. I feel like we all have that opportunity to be the best versions of ourselves. And when we're our best versions of ourselves, we can pour into other people, we can um, do things for other people, and then therefore it creates an environment that's better for everybody. So one of the things you said there, Ari, that I would love for you to expound more a little bit is you said when you started to get all aspects of your health, mental, emotional, physical, and together, it everything came into alignment. So why do you think it's important for individuals to focus on their health and wellness because clearly it's helped to center you to ground you to help you get into that balance why why do you feel that's so important for other people to do and to follow suit well i think about quality and quantity one when you practice health and wellness you're going to have a higher quality of life um when you when you work out everything kind of seems to fall into place you tend to eat healthier. You have um, less chronic illnesses you have to worry about. With chronic illness comes um, more hospital stay, which is more expensive. That affects your financial health um, and your mental health. People who are in and out of the hospital with chronic illnesses are directly tied to mental illness. Depression and anxiety are real things. And then the quantity of life. None of us want to die at an early age. And morbidity and mortality are very real factors that we have to face each and every day in relation to chronic illness. So when you tap into things such as your physical wellness and your mental wellness, um, you have the opportunity to live longer and to live a higher quality life. Yes, so, I mean, you, you, you've like hit it home straight away. I mean, much of this pod is pretty much like corporate office-based people and i guess when we were talking at the beginning when we were thinking about optimal self we, we were really thinking quite one-sided i guess in in like our ability to be productive at work but when you talk about you know um lifespan and the longer you live the more time you've got so the more you can do with that time it really is about actually trying to fulfill and be optimal, right? And, and and just make sure, as you said, your best self, but I guess living your best life that you can as well. Right, and living your best life is not just like a little trending saying that fluctuates throughout the community. Like, what does it really mean to live your best life? Like for me, my best life 
is to have enough time to be a, a, a great mother, have enough time to be able to go to the gym. If I'm constantly working, you know, to the point where I'm mentally disabled, I'm exhausted when I come home, I don't know how to set proper and healthy boundaries, then I can live to 100. But who wants to live to 100 if you're not living your best optimal life and you're not living a healthy, balanced lifestyle? Yeah, you, yeah, you don't want a grumpy hundred years, really, do you? <laughs> you know, um, well, I guess gr grumpy old men. But um, so, so if I if I check back to, I mean, what I said about a lot of this audience is sort of corporate based people, and um, I mean, I'm quite jealous in a way because you're living your purpose, right? If fitness is your purpose, you're doing fitness. So you're you're managing to combine those those two things together in one. Um, a lot of the people who might be listening to this could be more desk bound, right? You know, sat in offices or sat in home offices, whatever it is, they're going to be um, potentially fairly static in their day, spending long hours. So um, what advice do you have for people who perhaps are a little more static than dynamic in, in their day-to-day -day stuff. And I just want to throw in the last bit to this, especially given what we've been through over the last couple of years. I'd suggest that those people who are at their desks are even more static than they were, or someone might have been if they weren't mindful enough to change things. Because we're not standing in front of whiteboards anymore. We're not taking the longer walks to coffee anymore. A lot of what I call the micro moments that we used to have like in between meetings, in between meetings, I just click a button now, whereas I used to walk between rooms. So many people have lost a lot of those micro moments. So what advice have you got to maybe try and bring back some of that day to day movement, but also perhaps some bigger movement that's going to affect our longevity, too? Absolutely. I would say create your own micro moments. I think us as human beings, we sometimes wait for people to give us permission to do what we need to do to fulfill ourselves. So like before, like before COVID, you would have a boss telling you it's okay to take two 15-minute breaks and then one 30-minute break. If you know that you're more static and that you're at home and you have the flexibility to get up and walk around, I would do so. But plan out your day accordingly. Go ahead and take that three or four 15-minute breaks if you need to. Have your moment of selfishness. This is all about boundary setting. If you know that you've been sitting in front of that computer, um, creating, uh, completing or creating a task on behalf of your company, you can, you can be selfish for 10 or 15 minutes and say, you know what, I'm a little tired, I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to take this 15-minute meditation break. Um, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten properly. I'm going to take this 15 minute break to go prepare something. Preparation is key. If you don't plan, you know you're going to fail. So if you know that you're stagnant and you're always in front of the computer, nutrition is the first thing that I'm going to tell you to focus on because sometimes you don't have the ability to get up and work out for two or three hours out the day. Your nutrition is going to be your key. So I would say meal prep. I would say go ahead and plan out the first two, three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, of what you're going to eat and then have it ready in a refrigerator. So when it is time for you to, you know, go eat, you're not scrambling to go to McDonald's or any of these restaurants that are filled with a lot of antibiotics, hormones, um, preservatives, things that aren't optimal and functional for your body. Um, also, um, as far as working out is concerned, you have to plan that as well. 
Now, if you know that you are working an eight-hour shift, there's 24 hours in a day. Sometimes we're so mentally drained because we've invested in someone else for eight hours out the day. When we get home, we don't want to work out. But unfortunately, the reality of it is you have to be disciplined. What's your end game? How bad do you want this? If you really feel that you want to work out and you want to lose the weight, you want to practice better heart health, then you're going to have to take the time to sacrifice um, some time after work. It just, it's going to be that. You might feel a little bit tired. You're going to give yourself pushback for the first couple of weeks, but it's a lifestyle change. Your body will adapt to any changes that you put it through, healthy or unhealthy. Always remember that. But be selfish with your time. If you're going to go and feed life into someone else's company, um, and you're going to be in front of a computer for eight hours, 10 hours, love yourself enough to be selfish, to meditate, to stretch, to go for that walk, to drink and eat healthy, and things like that. Yeah, that, 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 that's so good. And it, it's, it's reminding me, you used a phrase in there, I think, basically plan or plan to fail or don't plan, plan to fail. It's very similar to, to um, something Tamian said on the podcast last time out. And one of the things that he did as well was he sort of divided his 24 hours into periods of 30 minutes. And it's exactly like you say, it's like taking a few of those for yourself, whether you're chugging water, stretching, meditating going for a run whatever it is is just make sure that that's not like eight to ten hours straight of just company desk time and that we we, we factor that stuff in i mean it's such, such good advice harry thank you and yeah, i've been um, a recipient of that advice too from from ari as well so i can say it works meal prep and uh, being disciplined on working out is is huge I, i'm a morning workout person i don't work out after work uh, because i'm just too exhausted but if i find that when i work out in the morning it gives me the fuel to get through the day so that's just the type of working out that i do but um ari so clearly you are passionate about health right i've known you for a while now you're a physical trainer you're also a past athlete why do you think it is so hard for people to get into a rhythm of focusing on health and wellness? We hear about it all the time. People will rather pay hundreds of dollars a month in medication where that could potentially be avoided like you mentioned before. Why is it so hard? Can you help us out? Why? Um, to be honest, health and wellness up until I would say the last 10 to 15 years has not been pushed as readily as going out to make a living. Like if it was in society, if it was in our societal norms that health and wellness is primary, then we will all do it. But we, you know, you know how we were raised. We were raised to go to school. You go to school for eight hours, go to college, you go to college and do your courses throughout the day, go get a job. You're gonna sit at a computer. You need to make money. You need to make money. You need to be financially stable. All these things were pushed in our ears. It was never pushed, watch what you eat. It was never pushed, you need to work out an hour to two hours a day. You need to have and practice mental wellness. You need to meditate. You need a therapist. These things weren't pushed to us until within the last decade because chronic illness started plaguing us, because mental illness started plaguing us. The rates of suicide started increasing. So now we're doing a little bit of backtracking. We're doing a little bit of... um 
um, it's the opposite of preventative care. Now we're trying to sit here and go back and figure out what we need as a human uh, race and a culture to figure out how can we prevent things from going on. So that's why it's so hard. If we were raised from the time that we were small children that, hey, you need to take care of yourself mentally first, you need to take care of your body first, and then the money will follow, then I think that our culture would respond better to it. Also, we're in a very, very um, impatient culture that wants results immediately. We don't want to work 90 days to 120 days to a whole year to get our goals. We want instant results. So when we work out for a week and we don't lose that 10, 20 pounds within the first week or two, then we give up because we're used to being comfortable. We're a very, very, very um, spoiled society where when we get a little uncomfortable, when we feel a little bit of pain, we want to shift and find the next best thing, the easier thing. And that's why it's hard to stay on schedule. We can come up with every excuse it is in the world, but the, the, to be honest, if you are just um, if you don't get comfortable with getting uncomfortable, you're not going to reach any goal. I don't care if it's with work or being a parent or anything. If you don't like getting uncomfortable, you're never going to be successful because you're going to have to push past barriers and obstacles that are going to make you feel like it's going to make you question who you are. It's going to question how strong you are. You're going to have moments where you want to cry, you want to give up. So, yes, if, if our society doesn't start teaching us that you know, health and wellness should be primary and that in order to obtain health and wellness, we have to learn how to not um, shy away from discomfort, then we're going to continue this path of unhealthiness. Yeah. So you mentioned some great things here, right? Some of the challenges that people have, um, instant gratification. Um, again, I'm a witness that doesn't happen like that. It didn't take you a week to put on the weight or to get where you're at. You're not going to lose it in a week, right? You also talked about getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. You hear that quite a bit. Are there any other challenges, one or two more that you can think of top of your head that you will hear people say that we can dispel these myths and give some advice on, no, you need to stop thinking this way? Yeah. Um. I don't have the time. That to me is poor time management. Um, I'm a person, I'm a mom. I have a couple of businesses. I still work as a registered nurse. Um, I get all these things done because when you have a priority, you're going to make a way. So it's poor time management. If you sit out and write out everything that you want, you absolutely can fit that hour in the gym. You absolutely can eat healthy. Um, it's just when you uh, fail to plan. Another one, especially in the um, lower socioeconomic and um, black and brown community. Oh, well, my family has just always been big. Absolutely not. That is something that you do not have to subscribe to. Um, your mother might have been overweight. Your dad might have been overweight. Um, your grandmother may have had heart disease and diabetes may be prevalent in the family. That does not have to be you. It doesn't mean that you should just, sometimes we pacify ourselves and give ourselves excuses in relation to um, what's going on with other people in our family to give us an out from deciding to be better, to give us an out from working out. Well, I don't need to work out because I mean, my whole family is big. It's just, it just, it's hereditary. It doesn't have to be that way. So that's, those are a couple of excuses I hear constantly. Oh, my family is this way. Oh, and I don't have enough time. And let me see what else. The time is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. No one has enough time, mm -hmm. it seems to be healthy these days. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, yeah, it is a big. I mean, it's a big excuse for everything. Time, isn't it? It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I don't have time to do that. So it's about priority, then, isn't it? It's like clearly that thing isn't as important to you as as perhaps you're you think it is because you're allowing it to to go down to the bottom. Um, and I'm th I'm thinking here about uh, I think it's 21 days they say it takes for habits to form, isn't it? And um, sort of on habits and trying to take this better path to health and wellness I, I always feel 21 days is a bit too short 21 days for me it, it it's fine in if you if you have a stable environment so what i mean by this is is let's say i start a new habit today around eating i don't know i'm going to stop eating fried chicken and start eating steamed chicken and if i start that today in 21 days i've probably nailed that habit here at home but then if my circumstances change and now I'm going into an office or something suddenly that I can't steam chicken anymore means I'm back to some kind of petrol station garage takeaway whatever it is so there's there's an important thing for me of trying to retain that habit when you change circumstances change environments and I, I talk about the 21 days because at some point I feel like it becomes you and then it's no longer a habit. There's no longer any focus. There's no longer tallying up the number of days that you've done something. Suddenly, that behavior is you, right? Is that something you can relate to? Absolutely. You said something that really hit the nail. Um, when you stop counting the days, that's when you know it's a lifestyle change. If you sacrifice something, let's say, oh, I'm going to give up meat and you're counting the days, you are still in that mind frame of where you're, it's, it's not weak, but you are um, susceptible to falling off the wagon if you're still having to count. Lifestyle is when it's, it's a second nature habit for you. Like when you get up and you brush your teeth, you don't count how many days you've been brushing your teeth, you just do it, right? And the same thing with fitness. I'm at the point now in my life where um, I work out. I don't have to count how many days I work out. I just know no matter what, it's going to happen because it's a part of my life now. So 21 days is the absolute bare minimum, absolute bare minimum for establishing a habit. To me, 21 days is just getting the ball rolling. Um, it's the catalyst. It's, it's, it's almost like proving to yourself that it can be done. But I really feel like if you can get past the six-month mark, the one-year mark, that's when the habit is really instilled in you. Because now you're not so much worried about the trends. Because a lot of times we adopt things because it's a trend. So fitness isn't a trend for me. If no one else on this planet decides to work out ever again, it doesn't. it's not going to affect me. I'm still going to work out. But a lot of these diets are trend-based. So if you're just doing a diet because you see everyone else doing it, then we know if it's, a, if it's truly a lifestyle change for you or not. Yeah. So, okay, so what tips have you got for me then? Like, if a lot of people struggle to 21 days, and then at the end of 21 days, they probably, like, reward themselves by relapsing in some way, right? Um, what, what tips have you got to get me to six months to a year? Okay. Well, number one, if and when, I want to say when, when you make a mistake in your diet, because you will, because you're a human being and that's fine, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Meaning, if you have a cookie 
and you feel like you've ruined your diet, a lot of people what they'll say is they'll just throw the whole week away. They'll eat bad for a minute or a week. Well, I'll start again on Monday. That is the absolute worst thing that you can do. That is absolutely the worst thing you can do. You, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for consistency. So just like Paula said, it took you some time to gain this weight. It's gonna take, take you some time to lose it. Also, in retro and um, in reverse, you had to eat a lot of unhealthy things to gain that weight. So if you have one cookie, don't put it in your mind that you know you you're ruined. Your whole diet is ruined. Now you can't resume. Now you just want to throw everything away and you feel discouraged. Don't let that that small hiccup, that small obstacle, ruin your way of thinking. Losing weight, becoming healthy, um, practicing health and wellness is, I would say, eighty to ninety percent psychological. It's in your mind. If you have uh, placed it in your mind that you can do something and you believe that you can do it, you can do it. So when you have that moment, when you have a bad meal, now govern yourself, but you have that bad meal, don't throw the whole diet away. Go ahead and just pick up when you have them and eat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah, we done. <laughs> we are That's done. A right when you finished your sentence, yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, there is actually so much more that I wanted to to ask you as well. Um, <laughs> so as the way I'm actually feeling quite quite bleak because um, I wanted to come back to you um, about saying no because I, uh, to other people when prioritizing yourself because I feel like that's you know we often give in ourselves for other people. So, but anyway, we'll we'll have to save that for. Um, another time um we can do a part two <laughs> we can do a part two what a great idea we'll do like a, a bonus episode yeah why not hey um i think so um we'll get your social details in a moment but first um i'm sure you've got a stack of resources that or people that you follow i mean clearly you're inspired but i'm sure there are people who inspire you behind the scenes so where, where else can we go to find out more, you know, to, to, to help us work this through a bit better? Well, it depends on where you're located. I would actually use your local city as a resource. A lot of the counties, um, your providences, your states, your local cities will provide you with areas where you can utilize like um, free foods and things like that. Areas like a fruit markets, veggie markets, and things like that. Like here in Cleveland, I love the West Side Market. Everything is freshly prepared. Everything is um, given to us in a reasonable price. And you know, prices and finances are very, very important. So look and tap into your own specific city. Um, I know that I follow the vault here in Cleveland. They're really great with health and wellness. Um, I, of course, I'm a part of extreme hip hop. Um, that's a passion for me. I love to step. Um, as far as food is concerned, I don't have any specific food resources. I would say just do your own research because, again, what works well for my body might not work well for your body. Okay, that's that. That's great. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's gonna. You've given some nice generic sort of stuff there, like look local, because whether it's your local gym or your local um, personal trainer is doing something on Zoom, uh, farmer's markets, no, that's all good stuff. Um, over to you, Paula. So, Ari, 
where can people find you now that you've done such a great job talking about others? Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more, hear more, or just follow the wonderful work that you do in the fitness arena? Uh, my primary social media platform is um, IG, Instagram. I'm train underscore Ari underscore strong on Instagram. I'm a little bit of everything. You'll see me lifting weights. You'll see me talking about health and wellness practices. Um, I'm also an autism warrior advocate. You'll see me talking about that. I talk about meditation, spirituality. So you'll get a little bit of everything. Um, and you can also contact me on train Ari strong at uh at gmail.com if you want to contact me directly. That's it. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Ari. Um, and thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. You can subscribe to The Paula and Joe Show on your pod player of choice, whether it's iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube, and we're on more too. If you enjoy the show, then please help pass the pod by leaving a five-star rating. You can follow at 168FM on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and IG. And you can keep the riff going too by leaving your comments over on the blog at 168.FM. That's the words 168, not the numbers. We'd love to hear your take on bringing your whole self. Ari, Paula and I will join you there. Until then, take care and keep growing.